In today's show, we're looking at players who could be sell highs for fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We're doing sell high trades today. Now these guys, they're not players that you have to go out and just dump because they're definitely not going to keep doing this. I'm just looking at players who we think may be outperforming what their rest of season projections are. If you get a good deal, you trade them. If not, you ride out the highs and you see what happens. It's not a must-sell type scenario as all of these sort of things are. So let's talk about it right now. And the first guy I want to talk about here is Christian James McCullum. He was on this list last week. Not much is changing, although the regression has started. He's the eighth overall player for the season, but over the last two weeks, he's the 14th ranked player. Why is he starting to come down? Well, he was putting up massive assist numbers, but over the last seven games, it's just four assists per game. Now, he's still the 14th ranked player, and I don't think he's going to be there. He's playing at an extremely high level with a massive usage, and really... Has almost almost has been the uh, the Trailblazers' best player. Now, if they're going to win and they're going to get somewhere, that doesn't. It's not going to be him. It's going to be Damian Lillard, who's their best player. But he is putting up some big numbers. So why do I think this regression is coming? He's never averaged more than one point two steals per game. He is at one point seven over the last two weeks. He has never shot more than 48% from the field. In fact, he's only been over 46% once. He's currently at 48 and he's at 50% over the last seven games. Um, the four assists per game that he's averaging over the last two weeks, it is starting to come down. And the 4.93 is two threes higher than what he shot per game last year. He's hitting the threes at 45% over the course of the season and 45% over the last two weeks. I just find it hard to expect CJ McCollum to shoot at that level. His two-pointers are also at 55% over the last seven games, and he's never been a guy that's been able to push past 51%. So when we look at steals regressing, three-pointers made regressing, um, three-point percentage regressing, two-point percentage regressing, and I haven't even mentioned the fact that last year he was a 76% free-throw shooter, and he's up at 86%. Now, that's probably fine because he's been like an 82-83 guy in the past, so maybe he can stick at that sort of level. But there are a few pressure points of regression coming for CJ, and he's not going to fall that far. Maybe he's the 30th best player, 25th best player, but you can still extract a little bit of value by looking in that... Um, Looking in that mid-range of the, the second round type area, find a player that might be underperforming in that zone. Now, someone like Devin Booker is someone who was drafted in that area. I wouldn't say that I'd trade CJ for Booker because you know, the odds are that uh, CJ probably ends up the season as a better option than Devin Booker. I think that's a distinct possibility. What you want to do is maybe find someone who is really underperforming. Trey Young would be a great example for me, and I'd be looking to make that sort of a switch. That's the sort of thing that I'd be doing to get a, uh, a sell high on CJ McCollum. It's not about just selling at all costs. Remember that. Malcolm Brogdon, the next guy. 
Similarly, there's a few things for Brogdon, who's been awesome this year, um, that are a little bit too high. Over the last two weeks, he's the 13th ranked player. He's playing 39 minutes a game. You feel that's going to come down somewhat. 24 points. You're well above anything he's ever done, ever done. He averaged 16 last season. Now, I don't think that that's outrageous for him to stay at that level. But what is outrageous is the 1.7 steals when he's never been at over 1.1. That was his rookie year where he was at 1.1 steals. He's never been this high. The assist numbers, they're pretty in line with what he was at last year. So I don't think that's outrageous. And one of the big beneficiaries of having Nate Bjorken as his coach, is his three-point attempt rate is through the roof. He attempted 4.3 last year. He's up at 7.7 over the last seven games. Hitting them at a rate that's wholly unsustainable, 50%, but that three-point attempt rate is super key. That increase in three-point percentage, the 50% shooting, he can be a 40% guy. No worries about that. No worries. But that is a big difference between 50 and 40. And that drops your three-pointers made. It drops your field goal percentage. It drops your points per game. It's a three-category hit. Now, I don't think Brogdon's dropping a huge amount. But again, like McCullum, probably into that back-end, second, early, third-round range, where at the moment he's hovering around first-round value on the back of 50% three-point shooting and on the back of 1.7 steals per game. So there are going to be some drop-offs there, and it doesn't take much to drop 10, 15 spots. So you're looking to trade for one of those early second-round sort of players. I'd say trading for someone like Zach Levine would be great, but Levine's actually yeah, performing at that similar level to Brogdon. I'm not sure. I feel like Levine's ability to maintain his current ranking is better than Brogdon, so maybe that would be a move that I, w- I would look to make there. Larry Nance Jr. This one's a relatively obvious one, but you might be able to extract some value, and I'll tell you why with Nance. Look, he's putting up some really strong numbers at the moment. Over the last two weeks, he's the 44th ranked player. He's playing 37 minutes a night. So there's your number one red flag as to Nance because, yeah, he's just not going to get that sort of playing time as the season goes on. And I can hear you already saying, Josh, Kevin Love's old. He's past it. He's always going to get injured. And that is true. Love is past it. Love is going to get injured a lot. But Love is not going to miss every single game as we move forward. So the 37 minutes a night that Nance is getting may happen on some nights. It may happen for stretches of time, but it won't happen continually. He is averaging 11, 5, and 3.5. deals is an absolute shit ton of steals, and that's not going to continue. He will improve his free throws. He's at 50% there. But the 42% from three is also going to come down. But it's mainly those minutes. And we saw at the start of this season when Love was healthy that he just didn't play that much. He had like a 25-minute game where he went scoreless. Now, he's been over 30 in every other game, but Love has been in and out of the or he's been out of the lineup basically every game apart from yeah, that, that big one, uh, or that one that he had there against the Pistons in game two. Nance will probably be like a 26, 27, maybe 30-minute-a-night player when Love is back. It's just hard for him to get to 32 minutes you know, compared to 37 minutes. He's not going to get to that level. So again, you're not looking at you're just dumping Larry Nance. He's providing top 50 value. We don't know when Love's going to be back, and there's probably a re-injury potentially happening. But if I could just do a straight swap, give me another top 50 player for Larry Nance, I'd feel more comfortable with that just because I don't believe that that he's going to be able to continue. Now, on current rankings, yeah, Donovan Mitchell is significantly worse than Larry Nance. Would you do that trade? Yeah, sure. Absolutely, I would do it. Would you do it for Chris Abs Porzingis? In, in a heartbeat, I would do it. I know that Porzingis is going to miss games, but I would do that. No problem. Yeah, he's currently ranked ahead of Pascal Siakam. I, of course, you would do that one. He's currently ranked uh, well ahead of Clint Capella. I would take Capella in that scenario. So there are trades that you can do just with the understanding that those minutes and that steal rate in particular is pretty unsustainable from Larry Nance. DeAndre Hunter 
is on my list. He's the 63rd ranked player over the course of the season, but it's 46th over the last two weeks. Now, I admit that I was not high on DeAndre Hunter into the draft. I didn't think he had a very good rookie season, and I was worried about how the rotation was going to go. And talking to Hawks people, there was re- there was real fear that he would actually be the 11th man in this rotation. Now, it has helped that Gallinari has been hurt, Rondo's been hurt, Okongwu's been hurt, uh, Chris Dunn has been hurt. But he has performed at a level that tells you he won't be out of the rotation. He will continue to start. But there are still things in in what he is doing that are very big indicators of regression. He's never going to be a high steals and blocks guy. And he's not that this year. That's not what's happening with Hunter. It's the shooting numbers that's giving me a level of pause. Because over the last seven games, he's shooting 90% from the free throw line. Last year, he shot 76%. It's pretty unlikely, unless you're Brandon Ingram, to see that large of a jump. So there is a room for regression there. He shot 45% on twos last year. He shot, he's shooting at the moment, over the last seven, 59%, as well as 40% from three. I think he can be a 40% three-point shooter this year. I think there's a real possibility of that. But he's upped his rebound rate, his three-point shooting, his free-throw shooting by like massive amounts. 52 true shooting is up to 65 true shooting over the last two weeks. So there's going to be somewhat of a drop-off. The usage is, is under 20, so it's not at a high level. Um, you know, can Hunter maintain standard league value? Probably, but 18 and 7 with two threes on 51 and 90, it seems uh, fanciful to expect Hunter to shoot at that level. The free throws, maybe the free throws are real. Maybe he is an 85% shooter. I'm not sure. But he was never that high, not even in college, and it's a big jump from last year. But the two-point shooting is very, very uh, elevated to me for DeAndre Hunter. The last guy we talk about is Dylan Brooks. Brooks is the 77th ranked player this season, 98th over the last two weeks. And despite all the injuries, he's still only playing 29 minutes a game. He's averaging 16 points, which always looks good when the first column is a big number. Two and a half threes is pretty strong as well. Not a huge amount after that. 4.3 rebounds, 2.6 assists, 1.3 steals, shooting 38 from the field. But Morant coming back is going to take some of this 29% usage away. Jaron Jackson coming back is going to take some of that usage away. Justice Winslow coming back is going to take some of that usage away. Um, the realization that Dylan Brooks is not very good is going to take some of this usage away. With players like Melton and Bain and even Grayson Allen and guys like that, you're yeah, pushing for some of his minutes in the rotation. The shooting, it's never going to get it better. Uh, or it's never going to become good, I wouldn't have thought, but it can be a little bit better than where it is. But it's just that extremely high-level usage at the moment is something that's going to drop. And his steal rate is very, very high as well. 1.6 per game this season when he was at 0.9 last year. So there is a big scope for that to fall off as well. If I can get any top 100 player back for Dylan Brooks, absolutely, that's what I'm doing. Let's flip it over now to have a look at points leagues. There are us, uh, I have got DeAndre Hunter in there again, so we won't talk about him, but let's talk about the pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. Barnesy is putting up some really impressive numbers, to be honest, because Harrison Barnes hasn't been the greatest fantasy player over the course of his career. We've seen that you know, multiple seasons where he gets all the minutes but doesn't do anything with them. But this year, he is doing something with them. Barnes is, over the last two weeks, the 56th ranked player. He's 60th over the course of the season. He's averaging 33 fantasy points per game. He's doing it on very, very high-level shooting which is important to be able to note. 
that level shooting probably comes down from Barnes. I'd like to see him play more at his best position, which is power forward, which maybe does help his percentages a little bit. And he's been playing there as they uh, don't want to play Marvin Bagley huge amounts of minutes for a very, very good reason. But Barnes has been absolutely impressive this year. But the fact that he's shooting 52% on threes and 57% on twos over his last eight games should give you an indication why his numbers are as high as they are. And even over the course of the season, his true shooting's at 64%. He's never been over 57%. So there's going to be some regression. Timmy Hardaway Jr. is putting up the big numbers as well over the last two weeks. Hardaway is averaging 30 fantasy points per game. And... I just don't see it. Porzingis coming back is going to take usage away. Of course, they're dealing with the absences of you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, Josh Richardson, um, Maxi Kleber with COVID stuff. Uh, Hardaway averaging, I said, uh, yeah, pretty good scoring numbers, but he's doing it on 46% three-point shooting and 55% two-point shooting. Those numbers, that 25 usage is also going to come down. He had just 21 usage last year. So when Porzingis comes back, we're going to see a bit of a drop-off, I think, coming from Tim Hardaway Jr. Talked about Dylan Brooks before. His teammate, Brandon Clark, is the 89th-ranked player in points leagues. He's averaging 30 minutes a game over the last two weeks and 28 fantasy points. It's 13-6 and six with a block per game. But you know, Jaron Jackson is going to return, and he is going to push Clark to the bench, and he won't play 30 minutes a night. Clark had been a disappointment to start this year. There's no denying that, and there is scope for him to improve. He's 26% three-point shooting, and he's 46% free-throw shooting, which is just abysmal. But I'm just looking at it from a usage and minutes perspective. That he's just not going to get 30 minutes a night, and that has pushed him into the top 100 in points leagues, and I just don't see that being able to continue for Brandon Clark. The last guy I look at here is, of course, Punch Bob, Bobby Portis, who is the 94th-ranked player over the last two weeks, averaging 27 fantasy points per game. I think he's more of a 23 fantasy point per game guy, which puts him on the back end of things. Um, he is shooting at a very high level. 57% from the field. This is a guy that has literally never been over 50% from the field. How's he doing it? Well, what he is doing is he's taking a lot more shots at the rim, and, and that's good. That's a sustainable thing. He's also hitting 75% of his shots there, and he's never been over 60%. So while the increased attempts at the rim you know, account for an improved field goal percentage, him maintaining 75% at the rim is probably not going to happen. The 25 minutes a night is coming because there's a lot of blowouts, and then maybe the Bucks continue to have a lot of blowouts. So that, that might be somewhat sustainable. But it's this level of shooting, this true shooting of 65% for Porters, who has literally never been above league average. His best true shooting season was 54.8%. So there is going to be a massive regression, I think, coming in his shooting. 50% from three, not going to stick. 59% from two, not going to stick. There are going to be some big drops coming from Bobby Portis, and I'd try to sell him for any sort of top 100 player that I can. That'll do it for me today in the Sell High video, guys. Subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>